Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. Today we have Walter Langley in studio. Walter is a Weymouth firefighter. He serves on the union's executive board and has been a longtime Weymouth resident. Walter brings with him years of experience as a first responder. He's here today to speak with us about his career and share his thoughts about what effects the job can have on a person's mental health. Walter, thank you so much for joining us. I personally and and we uh, are very happy to have you here today in studio. Please take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience. Good evening. I'm Walter Langley, Weymouth Firefighter. I was a long-time resident of Weymouth. I live in Whitman now, married to my wife, Fiona, and I have uh, three daughters, Aileen, Kaylin, and Karen. Excellent. Walter, thanks for coming in, and uh, like just like what Jay said, you know, I'm so happy to have you in here tonight. Um, You're a regular customer at Mar Riley's, but you're also a Weymouth firefighter, and um, tell us a little bit about that. Like, how long have you been um, a firefighter in Weymouth? Uh, I'm in my 28th year right now. Wow. Yeah. I'm a Weymouth firefighter, uh, 28 years. Uh, Great job. I love it. Um, Yeah. Has its ups and downs. Yeah. Uh, I took the test, I think, when I was 19. Wow. uh, Yeah. Weymouth, I got hired in Weymouth. I think I was 22. Wow. So was that something that you always wanted to do? Where did that come from, like... Um, so young, you were just like literally out of high school, right? Nineteen. I wanted to do something like I wanted to be a police officer. My father's a police officer. Oh wow! Killed in the line of duty in uh, nineteen eighty three. Mm-hmm. Wow! And I always knew I wanted to do something service connected to that. Yeah. So I took the firefighters exam because everybody t- take the firefighters exam. <laughs> <laughs> so I took the firefighters exam and. I was working for a company at the time, waste management, uh, garbage. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I went to school at night and did my EMT. And then, uh, yeah, I got called, I think it was 96, 90, 95, I'm sorry, I got called in 95. I interviewed with Dave Madden, and uh, he hired me. Wow. And then, so you said... Um your dad, that was something, your dad was a police officer, and that was inspired you to want to do something in service. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm going to get into your dad. I would love to talk to you yes, about your dad, right? Great. And, and the thing, I want to I want to get into the firefighter first, and then we'll start to lead into that, if you don't mind. No um, so what roles, um, you know, you got hired as a young firefighter, right? Um 
what was that like for you? Um, you know, getting on Weymouth Fire Department. Um, I'll tell you, I went to the I went to the academy, and uh, I loved it. And then, like when I got to the station, I was kind of shell shocked a little bit, you know, because it's a whole different world, different guys, different yeah. personalities. Yeah, like something I had never. Yeah. So when you're seen. in the, so when you're in the academy, you're with whole group for a certain amount of time, Actually, and then then you're all dispersed <laughs> to different different. Departments or different agencies, right? Yeah, there was actually only three guys in my four guys in my fire academy. Oh wow! Yeah, we did it over in Quincy. Uh, Bob Leary ran the academy, okay. so that was different too because at the time there were no spots, so they decided we're going to do it at Quincy. So there was four of us, and there was myself, Paul Quill, Chris Wells, and this kid from uh, Holbrook, Jason Murphy. So you were all so you were all um, sent to the academy after being hired yep. by Weymouth. By Weymouth. Oh, okay. And uh, the Holbrook kid, he was hired, and he went with us. Yeah. So it was different because there was only four of us. Yeah. yeah. You know, so so share with us what it was like for you coming out of the academy. You know, were you all like gung ho, like bring oh, it yeah, on? I'm ready yeah. to do this. Share with us about that experience, like what that was like for you, a young fresh. Um, I think it was. You know, here I am thinking when I get out of the academy, you know, oh, we're going to go to fires all the time. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, you're always ready. You're like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. every time the tone goes off. So I'll never forget the first call. Like, I'm in the station, and I'm already wired up. <laughs> and, and the call comes in, and it's just for, like, a guy with trouble breathing. And I'm yep. like, man. <laughs> <laughs> you were getting yourself all all, oh, yeah, all worked yeah. up, was, ready to go? Yeah, I was like. Ready to go. I think I drove. I drove my lieutenant crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. I just. The reason why I'm asking these questions is because you know we've had a couple of firefighters in from Braintree, and yeah. um, you know we had also your union president Jeff Wall yeah, in yeah. here, right from from Weymouth Fire, and you know the times that you know they have talked about these young fresh and they they were ready to go. Bring it on! I'm going to change the world, oh, right? Yeah. And and yeah. all that time ready to serve and i'm sure that that's what felt like for you i'm ready to go for that first call out when it was oh yeah i was like <laughs> and then <laughs> for the know, listeners he's doing this ready yeah. to go his arms in the air you always did though i mean jay can tell you you know yep. your first day in there you're excited you you know you you think you're gonna save the world yes and, absolutely you know sometimes it's not like that yeah and i think the reality early on in my career um I was kind of like a black cloud. You know, I got a lot of calls that were just totally off the wall. Yeah. Like, I'm like. What does that mean, the black cloud? Bad luck. I was like, you know, suicides, just, you know, it was, Mm -hmm. it was different. Yeah. I wasn't used to it. You know, like I said, I'm a young kid and it really opened my eyes like, Mm excuse my language, but holy shit, this is real. Yeah. Like people's problems are real. Yeah. So it was it was very different. My first couple of years on was like a little Yeah. You know It and sounds the, like there was an ad- adjustment that Yeah, you, there was definitely you, an adjustment for me as far as like at one point I'm like, geez, should I go back to the garbage company? Yeah. <laughs> well it sounds like you you were on duty when a lot of the more critical incident type calls were were coming through, right? So yeah. When when Walter describes a black cloud, sometimes that's what we'll refer to 
uh, one of the members, one of the men and women doing the job, if every time they come on shift, uh, something significantly traumatic or critical or, you know, one of those incidents come in. Um, and it's, it's probably a way of keeping everybody loose and just joking about yeah, it, right? It's, and it's... and recognizing um, that these these calls happen, and um, and somebody needs to be dispatched to to sort all that out. Um, so so sort of like someone saying, "Oh, does a black cloud follow me around?" Yeah, whenever yeah. whenever so and so works, okay. we have a we have a difficult call, and then when that person comes in, everybody will make a comment about it but w- i mean if it happens at the very beginning of your career if you have one of those runs i imagine that that uh changes the adjustment period to to the job right yeah i think it did for me i think it was more or less like like wow this is serious stuff yeah because mm. at the beginning i'm just like ah, oh, we're gonna save the world we're gonna do this ah you know yeah, yeah. like this is and then i was like Wow. Yeah. And then you settled in. Yeah, then I settled in, and and it's funny, because as you go along in the job, you know, after the first five years, I was just kind of like, yeah, it's kind of the norm, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Cardiac arrest, whatever. It was just, it seemed like it was always something. Yeah. So it sounds like to me that, you know, at the beginning of the of work for you, right, and, and seeing all of, you know, as you said, suicides and, and different type of things that you had not experienced before. No. Um, that that was an adjustment. It wasn't normal, right? So I was shocked by it. Just had to, like me, a, a, a citizen, right, just a, a normal Joe Soap. And if I was experiencing something like that or saw something like that, it would affect me, right? So it had an effect on you. Right oh, at the yeah, beginning, and definitely, and you had yeah. to learn how to adjust to that to to sort of um, sort of desensitize right yourself. Yeah, I think a little you bit. do. Um, I think you just take it as it's normal because mm. you know you really didn't talk much about it to the guys. I mean, I had—I'll be honest with you—I had a hard time with a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of just kept my mouth shut and yeah, did my thing, you know. Um, and then it was like six, I think I was on for six years, and I had gotten a diagnosis of cancer. Yeah. I was 27 years old, I think, at the time. Mm. Like, oh, Mr. Langley, you have cancer. Wow. I almost shit myself. Mm. Sorry, I'm swearing. I apologize. That's okay. But I'm like, oh, my God. Like, and you know what the first thought was? I don't want to leave my job. Mm. I'm like, I got a wife, two kids, like. We're moving forward here. Mm. And that, like, woke up a lot of stuff, you know, because then you're thinking, like, how many calls you go on to people who are, you know, they're on hospice or they're dying. You know, you've been there. You understand. So all those thoughts go through your head. Mm -hmm. And back at that time, um, we had an acting chief at the time who was pretty good. I mean, he took care of me and told me what we needed to do. And, and we we had just signed that presumptive language in the contract. So oh, yeah. the union president at the time, unbelievable guy, Kevin Deskiba, mm-hmm. took care of, like, me and my family. Like, right, so you felt supported? Yeah, I didn't worry for anything. You okay, know? good. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so that was a big thing for me Yeah, when that happened. I'm like, yeah. That had to be a shock. Oh, to yeah. receive that news. Yeah, I think it's a shock because 
you know, you're thinking it's something else, and, yeah. and then that happens. Yeah. Like, oh, my so God. Did, so did that change your, like, getting that news? And this is very earlier on, right? Um, and six years in, you said? Yeah, like six, seven years. I'm sorry, it's like seven years, six, seven years. I yeah. was in between that period. And, uh, yeah, I think it did, because my only goal at that point, so they took the kidney out, they contained the cancer to the kidney, they took the kidney out. My only goal is to get back to work. Yeah. Well, that was like, I got to go back to work. I'm going back to work. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a little resistance at the time, but I ended up going into fire alarm, and then I was able to finally get back on the trucks. Mm. But then I got back on the trucks, so I was, uh, I had a hard time. Like, What do you mean by that? I never gave myself time to deal with it, maybe. Yeah. Like, I was more or less like, Going on calls, I was nervous about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety yeah. from the cancer itself. Yeah. And I think the big thing for me was is, you know, after the diagnosis, after the surgery, going back to work, mm. um, always waiting for the next shoe to drop. Mm. Like, when's it coming back? Mm. And I'll tell you, I did that for like 10 years. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. When's well. it coming back? You know, because you'd have little scares. You know, you'd go for your appointments, and they're like, oh, we saw something. you got to go for another appointment. So how did you work through that, Dan? I mean, you're 28 years on the job right now, so and um, you haven't, you're good, right? You haven't had cancer back. No. Yeah. Uh, so last last year we did those things at the fire department, the free health scans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll never do that again. Because, okay. <laughs> and th- it was a great thing, but, you know, Sure as shit, they come back, oh, your kidney's enlarged, there's something else, blah, blah, blah. So the only thing I'm thinking of is, like, what the fuck? We're back here again. Yeah. You know? (laughs) You think the worst. Yeah, you always do. I mean, I do anyway, and that's just me. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I was just like, here we go again. Yeah. And sometimes you think that. Like I said, it took me, like, ten years to get out of that, of just waiting. Yeah. Oh my God. When's it going to happen? When's yeah. it coming back? Yeah. You know, and it's it's sounds foolish. I know, because, you know, every time I went to my appointment, I got a pretty good bill of health. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, that was a big thing. I I probably shouldn't have let it affect me as much as it did, but it mm. did because you're worried. You got kids. You got a wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean. Anytime, you know, I felt the pain or something, I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. Yeah. You know? And, you know, to me, that was normal. And then, you know, at one point, again, I just said, ah, whatever it is, what it is. You know, I'm not going to stop my life. I'm going to have fun, and I'm going to do right. my stuff. Which not living in your life in worry and and. I thinking. tried, yeah, but still, it was still there. Well, yeah. You know, you're always worried about the next shoe to drop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then... You know, that ate me up. I'm not going to lie. It did for a long time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean. So can I ask you about um, the department? There a long time. Yeah. I'm sure I don't know the roles you've played, but I'm sure you've had many roles. Oh, I've Sh- transferred a lot, yeah. Sure. Right, Jay? Yes, sure. sir. i got a lot of bids, yeah. Share with us. I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, y- y- we're in this community, right, in a lovely community in Weymouth. Um, it's a great opportunity to 
excuse me, let our listeners hear, you know, what you do, what roles you play um, so within right, the department. Right now I drive Engine 2. Uh, I've been a driver for a long time because when I'm, we call it an F2 position. I made it very young in my career because we had a lot of guys left. Mm. You know, they were retiring. So I've been an F2 for a long time and I've been a driver for a long time. Driven the engine, the ladder. Uh, I've been in fire alarm. So, um, you know, I've learned to study the community and as far as, you know, knowing where I'm going, the neighborhoods, the streets, the districts. Yeah. Hydrants. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, I still do a lot of training on my own, too. Um, I was actually at a training class today in Quincy. So, you know, I try to keep myself fresh on the job. Yeah. As far as just technology and, you know, uh, I love driving the truck. I always have. Yeah. And, you know, that's probably why I never took an exam, because I just like driving the truck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, and, yeah, so those are, you know, um, yeah, I drive Engine 2. You drive Engine 2. Yes. Right. And uh, how long have you been doing that for? So I've been at Engine 2 for, I think, like a year. I was at Engine 3 for a long time. Okay. Uh, before that, I was in fire alarm. I had had an injury. I had uh, fallen off a ladder right up the street here. Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> yeah. You familiar with that, Jay? You did start to Yeah, we were, at that, we were at that fire together, and um, I thought I could catch him, I swear. I saw it all in slow motion. I was about 10 feet from uh, the window he came out of, or, you know, the top of the ladder there, and uh, it was one of those things where it was like I actually started going over with my eyes. You know, it wasn't realistic that that could happen, but I saw that in slow motion, and uh, and Walter came back. He always comes back, you know. <laughs> but it was it was uh, quite quite a fall and uh, and an incredible recovery. Yeah. Now it was. Yeah, we had a fire. I was on the second between the second and the third. We were pulling the hose out, and another ladder fell and knocked me off my ladder. Oh wow! So I had uh, fractured my foot my back, my shoulder, and a nice little concussion. Wow. So, um, were yeah. You, were you out of work for a while then? or, or were you Yeah, I was out for, I think, like three months, and then I went back into fire alarm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean, fire alarm? It's dispatch for us. Dispatch. Yes. Okay. So I went back into fire alarm, and, you know, I was in there for a while, and then I was able to go back on the trucks. Yeah. And... <clears throat> Back on the trucks. And, you know, I was a little nervous, you know, after that. That kind of scared the shit out of me. Mm. <laughs> it would. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. It would, kinda, an, it would anybody, yeah, right? Yeah, that kind of scared me a little bit. So, yeah. you know, I went back on the trucks, and um, I'm definitely more cautious now, I think, um, for me and any crew I'm working with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you go through this job sometimes, and you don't think you can get hurt. Yeah. yeah. And guys, they get hurt. You can yeah. really get hurt. Like I, that fall off the ladder there, you know, that I fractured my foot. Um, I ended up having shoulder surgery. Um, you know, I hurt my back. Yeah. You know, and I'll never be the same as yes. far as, 
you know, because you still feel it every morning when you get up. It's definitely kind of a wake-up call as to, like, you know, I got to be a little more careful or, uh, you know, this, this this shit's for real, man. Yeah. yeah. This job is real. Yeah. And um, you can get hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you feel supported in your, from your department? From the guys? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I had guys reaching out to me every day. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys were great. You know, they call you. You know, I had no issues with that. Yeah. Um, you know, you have issues in other places, and yeah. sometimes you just got to ignore it and be like, mm. I'm know, just going to get on with my job. Yeah, I'm just going to get on with my job, and, you know, because I want to come back to work. Yeah. You know, and you hear comments from, you know, upper, you know, how much is this going to cost me or how long, you know, is this guy going to be out or whatever. Yeah. And that and that's really hurtful too, you know. So whatever, you just brush it under the rug, you go back to work, you do your job. And yeah. But the thing, like I said, I took out of that is, you know, I know who's going to take care of me. Which is local sixteen sixteen, mm-hmm. and the members that I work with, and uh, I'm just going to do my job and just you know keep that in the back. I remember, yeah, yeah, and your family, yeah, my family, yeah, people who support you, yeah, and, and you know, I think the biggest problem is now in is sometimes they look at you as a number; mm-hmm. they don't look at you as you know, you're a person or you have a wife and kids and a family and, you know. Yeah. So that kind of bothers me because I see a lot of departments that have gone through that in the past. Mm. And then you know, we're people, man. Absolutely, you're people. And first respond to <laughs> are, are going out and, you know, putting your life on the line, serving your community um, for, for, uh, for their worst moments right in in their lives when you get called out it's not for hey we just say you know wave the the horn going by it's because they need you right and you need to help them and and uh, it would be um it'd be wonderful um for all that you guys do to be also get the support that you guys need from your administration yeah and we're you know you got to think of it we're when we show up that person, it's their worst time, right? Absolutely. Yep. That's right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah. you know, you, you got to be professional and you got to yeah. be trained to do the best job you can do, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And we've got a great department. Yeah. You know, our department, we've got good guys in there and they, they do a good job. So, um, it sounds like, Walter, um, what I'm picking up is that over the years, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm getting reading it wrong. Um, but it sounds like over the years, um, from the beginning to, you know, you were that young uh, firefighter who saw a lot um, and, and had to sort of shift a little bit to be able to, you said, I heard you saying, I didn't talk about that stuff. Um, no. I, I just shut my mouth and I didn't talk about that stuff, even if I was feeling it. Um, and then, you know, going on the years and, and picking up more more stuff, but then also having a, a crucial um, 
accident to yourself and, and being hurt. Um, it sounds like that there has been a lot of learning and growing, right? And and learning yeah. and, and discovering and figuring it out, right, along the way. Yes. No, there's definitely, you know, my career has had its ups and downs, believe mm. me. Mm. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm perfect either because I'm not. Mm. You know, I've early in my career, I had, you know, a couple of issues and, yeah. you know, the right people helped me out and yeah. I learned not to do that again, you know? Yeah. yeah. So none of us are perfect, okay? Yeah. And, and uh, you're human. You're human. And I, I, I kind of wish it was kind of like that now, where if a guy's having an issue, you know, like you help him out and you do. Our union's very good at that. I feel they've gotten, you know, they've done a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of time you have administrative hurdles you got to go through, which I'm sure that's anywhere. But yeah, you know, I I, I look at it as well. What about the person? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, let them know you care. Yeah, I mean, just show a little bit. Yeah. I want them to show a lot. Well, yeah. Mm. No, I do too, but... Right? It's... The way I look at it, Walter, we hope you on the badge. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. The reason, no, why I'm, the reason why I'm here and I talk about this stuff is to make it easier for first responders to be able to talk about what they're going through and the shit that they see. Excuse the expression. Sorry, Jay. Um, <laughs> um, but the stuff, <laughs> the stuff, right, that you guys see every day, right... And um, I know from many, 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 you know, conversations that we've had in in the studio is that a lot of folks, you know, stuff it down. As you said, I wasn't talking earlier on, even earlier on in your career, I wasn't talking about that stuff. I was not talking about anybody. I just, I shut my mouth. And, um, you know, so... And it's not normal for what you see every day, right? And, and and what experiences you see from, as you said, a lot of death, a lot of suicide, cardiac arrests, and and fires and accidents, all that type of stuff, right? And it's not normal for you to see that and not have um, an emotional experience, right? For that, a reaction to mm. to for that. It does. I mean, I think it affects me now more than I'm old. When I'm I'm older now, because mm-hmm. it's funny, you know. I mean, it's not funny, but you'll see something and it'll remind you of that, you know. And you're like, oh god, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And it does it it does affect me more now than it did then. I think because yeah. it feels like I'm getting to the end of my career, right? Mm-hmm. And all this stuff just seems to be coming back. Mm. Yeah. And. So what do you do about that? Um, how do you how do you process it then if it's coming back and it's shown itself to you? Well, then how do you do? You just shove it back down? Yeah, or sometimes. I have a hard time. Like I've made that step a couple times to try to go to on site, but I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just me. I can't. I yeah. don't know why. Yeah. yeah, and who knows? Well, maybe that's not what you need. Maybe it, I just talk to someone. Yeah, right? no, I know, but I'm just saying, like, the phone number. Um, yeah, it's just not. But you know what I love that you just said is that, you know, there's places there and resources there for you to reach out to if there ever comes a time that you do need that. No, 
No, I know that. You know? And I understand that. Believe me, I do. And, and, and I think the biggest thing, too, is, you know, I'm at a point in my career where I don't, you know, I don't want to be them saying to me, well, yeah, you can't, you can't come to work or you can't do your job, you know, because I can do my job. Yeah. I got no problem doing my job. But don't tell me there's not guys in that job or anywhere else in police, fire, EMS who aren't affected by something, mm-hmm. okay? Because they all are. And if, you, and if you're saying you're not, you're full of shit. And yeah. Um, you're so true, Walter. Um, we, had, we had Abington Police Chief um, in here, Dave Dalpapa, new chief, great chief. And uh, we had him in here talking um, a couple of months ago, Jay, right? And um, one of the things that he said was, you know, you're, we're putting these men and women out there, right? And yeah. they're, they're going to experience traumatic incidents. And it's, it's normal for you to have a reaction to those, a human reaction, mm-hmm. right, to those just like me, right? Yes. If I saw that, I would be affected. Um, and the same goes for you too. You're not robots, and um, so this gentleman realizes that because their men and women are, are out on the streets protecting us and, and serving our communities, that as a department, um, that he has to, um, I suppose, gain their trust and, and foster a belief within his department that we ha- are going to help you and, and provide resources to you to get help. Um if and when you need it. And it's a matter of when, you know what I mean? Um, because there might be some instance that you see and it, it might not have an effect on you, but there might be something that triggers it and sets it off. Jay, I mean, Jay can talk onto that a little bit more than me, but I'm just going by from what we've been talking about in these interviews. Yeah. yeah I mean, there are stuff he knows. I'm sure there's stuff he's gone on that he thinks about now, you know? I mean... Mm-hmm. It happens, and yeah. I'm not saying. I mean, I don't. I'm no, you know, psychologist. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I was sitting in traffic one day, and I'm, something came back, and then the light turned green. I'm like, oh shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It happens, and it doesn't mean that I'm crazy or anything. No. You know, but. I. I mean, twenty-eight. So twenty-eight years. Okay. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. There are kids coming on this job now who've seen a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of stuff happens around here. Yeah. Um, and that's how you deal with it. I don't know. Like I said, I have my own way of dealing with it. Yeah. Um, not saying it's the right way. Yeah, but it's working but for you, Walter. It, you know, gets yeah. me through the day. Yeah. Yep. And... I just think, like, we promote mental health, we promote, and, and, and I'm glad we're, we're doing that. Um, I just want to see more support, you know? Like, um, and, you know, like I said, our union, I feel, is doing a good job. I mean, yeah. Um, I know I could call, you know, Jeff Wall right now, and he would, you know, call me right back or yep. try and, you know, so, I think the big thing for me, too, in that time was, 
you always had, like, my father was a police officer in Mansfield, Massachusetts, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, killed in the line of duty uh, October 2nd, 1983. Now, it just goes to show it doesn't matter where you work or what you do, anything can happen. You know, mm-hmm. He was making a traffic stop. He was making a traffic stop. Uh, you know, a drunk driver came by and clipped him. You know, we were young. I was nine, I think. Yeah, I was nine. Wow. So it just goes to show you in an instant, your whole life can change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being on this job too, being yeah. in the military, yeah. being on an ambulance. You know, so yeah. it's, I've always carried with me in my job, like, oh, I don't want to be that, you know. I want to protect myself or, and you always get it in the back of your mind too when you do go to work is, you know, my father went to work on a Saturday night and never came home. (coughs) So, you know, all of us were like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. You were nine years old? Yeah, I was nine years old. Can I get into that a little bit with you? Yeah, go ahead. Um, What was that like for you? Do you remember Um, when, when you lost your dad? I, yeah, I remember it was, um, you know, when it happened, that night I was at my friend Sean's house right around the corner from where we lived at the time, and Sean's father came in and woke me up and goes, oh, we got to, I got to take you home. I'm like, what? And we walk around the corner and I see all the cruises, and I knew. I just knew. Mm. And it was... You knew there was something wrong, but you didn't oh, yeah. know what was... Yeah, right? it was just, like, something happened. Mm-hmm. So, it was, I didn't know what to do. Like, What was the feeling? Do you remember the feeling? Yeah, I guess just confused. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, what the hell just happened? Yeah, nine years old. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, my brother Jerry at the time, he was six, and he was at the top of the steps, and he heard them, you know, say what happened and all that stuff. So it was definitely like, holy shit, you know, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Um, And then going through the services, the ceremony and all that stuff, it was just kind of like, you know, what do you do? Yeah. And we ended up, so he was remarried at the time. My mother was still living in Dorchester. And uh, we ended up going back to Dorchester to live with my mother because we had lived with my father. Okay. Um, but, you know, we never, there were no, sir, like, we never heard anything again from pretty much the Mansfield Police Department, mm-hmm. you know, at that time. I mean, I mean, maybe it was a different time. I don't know. So at that time, I didn't feel there was any support services. Okay. And, and I'm not saying. You don't remember. I don't remember. And I'm not saying they're at fault or anybody's at yeah. fault. Yeah. It was just. You know, here we get, you know, me and my brothers. Um, we're back with my mother. She didn't know what to do with us. Um, as far as um, bringing you up or bringing us you? up, yeah, you I were think, nine yeah, and he was six, it, right? Yeah, my brother was six, I was nine, and my other brother was eleven. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, for her, it was hard. Yeah, and it. Really, it did. It tore the whole family apart. Mm-hmm. 
Like, it was pretty bad. So, as a young kid, you know, you keep that in the back of your mind. Like, hey, I guess life ain't fair, kid. Let's move on and, you know, do the best you can do. And, you know, as we grew up, you know, I didn't give a shit about anything. That was a terror. Because (laughs) I just didn't care. And... You know, my brother was the same way. My older brother ended up leaving, going to school, and, you know, he didn't, he shut himself out from everybody. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my mother, you know, she was, she was heartbroken, too. Yeah. And we never had a relationship anyway, me and my mother. I mean, I left home, I think I was 16, 17. I was out of there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there wasn't very, like, family dynamic there. Okay. You know what I mean? It was, you know pretty much fend for yourself and that's pretty much the way I went through you know teenager years yeah yeah. my teenager years and you know I got into some trouble and yeah tried to straighten my shit out and all that stuff but um but then you got into 19 and then you you know you did a well an exam yeah I took the exam I was uh working with my mother's fiance at the time this guy Billy really nice guy he got me into the driving the trucks and stuff and yep. so um so then I kind of like said you know I got to get my shit together I think at that time I was like 21 or 20 or something I said I got to <laughs> and and I did uh, you know I had a good job then I got called to the fire department and you know and I, I really respected Dave Madden like you know he hired me mm-hmm. I thought he was a good chief you know he was Seemed like pretty upfront, forward guy. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, I appreciate. I always appreciated him hiring me. Yeah. Did you feel that you you're now finally starting to like turn your life around? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, when Excuse I, me. yeah, when I went to work there, I was definitely like, I'm like, I got a second chance here, and you know. Yeah. And and you know, you ask the guys that work with them. You know, what do they call? Uh, they call me happy. They call me. You know, they got all kinds of nicknames. I think going through my career was, you know, like I said, it had its ups and downs. I had a couple of illnesses. I, you know, I made it through, and yeah. now I'm sitting here at, like, 28 years, and I'm like, all right, I just got to get through, like, four more. And and, and the interesting thing I got to tell you, uh, going back to my father, it was, like, 2014, I got a phone call from uh, this guy from the Mansfield Police Department. He mm-hmm. goes, hey, this is a, I think it's a detective, I think. You know, with our chief is wants to do. We're doing a memorial for your father, blah blah blah. And you know, the first question was, and the guy was a wicked nice guy. He said, "Well, geez, it's been thirty years." Wow. <laughs> yeah. Where, where you guys been? Where have you been? Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't. You know, this is a new regime. It's not yeah. his fault. They yeah. had the chief was very nice. Uh, chief Sellen, I believe his name was. Mm-hmm. You know, they took us down there. We stayed for the weekend. They did a memorial and everything. It was very nice. Yeah. But that was one of my thoughts. I'll be honest with you. When they called me, it's like, well, it's been 30 years. Where were you people? So did you finally feel at least there's something now that's been recognized or yeah, remembered think, uh, by from my dad? Yeah, I think so. I think it was... Um, uh, I think there were a lot of mixed feelings, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... Um, you know, because at first I'm like, I wasn't going to go. Yeah. I'm like, ah, this is bullshit, you know, took you people 30 years. Right. So it sounds like some hurt. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. But then again, 
you know, you got a new regime, mm-hmm. and you know, he did the right thing. The chief there was, yeah, you know, and the guy who ran it, they were great. Yeah, they did a nice job, you know, and then so you know it worked out. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to blame him. You know, it's not his. He's just, you know, I thought it was nice of what he did, and good. Yeah. But again, you still carry it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just sort of, you know, want to get into you know. Those calls, those bad calls, um, you know, that you said, you know, I could be sitting at a traffic light and something will, you know, come um, back to my mind or I will remember, right? Um, just sort of from speaking with other first responders, firemen um, that have come in, you know, they, they, they talk about um, those calls, those specific calls that sort of took them back a little bit. Do you remember some of those? Can you share some of yeah, those with us? Yeah, I mean... Um, Is there a specific, I went, specific? I went to a car fire once, and there was a woman inside. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of that. Every time I go to a car fire, now I'm looking to make sure no one's inside. Yep. And that was, that was 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the first house fire I went to, they struck a second alarm. I came in on... Engine five, I was working for Paul Sullivan. The guy died in the the house. The guys pulled him out. And I was like, wow, this is real. You know, Mm -hmm. like, and I was new. Yeah. You know, so you see stuff like that. I mean, countless suicides. Um, You know. uh, There are all the things that come back to your head. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, recently back a couple of months ago, we had one and it was, you know, that brought back a lot. Do you talk about it in the department when you come back from those calls? <sighs> Not really, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys, I've hit, I've guys hit, joke around and stuff. You yeah. Know, and and it's, I've heard that, right? We've, we've talked about that. Yeah, the gallows humor, and, and yeah, it's, it's yeah. effective to, to a degree. Um, you know, d- until it's not. Yeah. Kind of kind of like everything else. You know, I'm not going to say it doesn't bother you. Um, you know, I had a call years ago, um, and, God, how long? It was a while ago, but we had a young kid. He was four years old. He had died in the middle of the night. You know, we get there. The parents are, you know, doing CPR, blah, blah, blah. It was bad. It was like mm-hmm. I felt so bad. And... I'll never forget, like, for a couple of months, like, you know, I had a daughter, Kaylin, at the time, who was the same age, and I'd stand up. I was afraid to go in their bedroom and check on her. Mm. Yeah, so it had effect because you could relate with that yet with yeah. your own family, right? So it was just, and, and you look at something like that, and you're like, you know, I can get through this. It takes you a while, but, um, and you, you know, then the next call comes, and, you have to go out on the next call. Yeah, you have to go out on the next call. Or even, uh, I don't even know how to explain it, how I, can I hear deal Jay. with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, I've been on multiple suicide calls, and you're just kind of like, you know, it's another slap to the head. You know what I mean? Like, all right, this is what I get paid to do. Yeah. And it bothers you. It does. I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up anybody's ass and say it doesn't, because it does. Yeah. Yep. And you bring it home with you. Yeah. Um, do you talk about it when you go home? Not really, no. I mean, you know, sometimes we'll t- 
have conversation or whatever, but nothing like, you know, and I know there were times, you know, you come home and you just don't want to talk to anybody and you're aggravated or you're pissed mm-hmm. off or you're, you know. Yeah, that's uh, how you're bringing it out. And, yeah, and I've, yeah, many first responders coming in have, have said, you know, they tried to leave. Um, what did Justin say the other day? Like, leave his boots at the door? Yes. Yeah. Um, like, not bring them home. Um, but the thing is, is that, you know, the dare, as he expressed, um, and I, I sort of sort took me back, um, really made me think about that when he expressed that, you know, we're there for so many people who we serve in our communities. We're there, but we're not there for the people who need us at home. Um, and, and certain times, right? After those calls, as you said, you 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 don't want to talk about it to anybody, or um, you might present yourself as being pissed off to your family. But mm. it's really how you're dealing with what you've just went through um, on your shift throughout your shift. Um, so yeah, it, that sort of really took me back when when um, a previous um, person on on an interview had said that, and it sort of made me think about. Yeah, well, you know, these guys, and I just want our listeners to hear, you know, Walter, um, you know, speaking about that. Um, and I, you can hear the, you know, the genuine, um, you know, conversation coming from him is that he's still dealing with it, you know, and still trying to figure out how to deal with it um, as different um, circumstances arise, right? But those previous um events you know that you carry you're carrying with you for years um you know sort of different ways to handle it i suppose yeah i mean i'm sure i know there's different ways to handle it um mm. believe me i've tried to go a couple of times and i don't know i'm not good at it i'm not good at you're not good at looking after yourself <laughs> well yeah sorry. you could say that you could <laughs> sorry i mean but that's what you were saying no it, it's like I don't know. I've always just been to the way, you know what? I got to get up. I got to go to work. Yeah. This shit will work itself out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and that's wrong. Believe me. I know it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sitting here, you know, uh, and, and you know, I, believe me, I've tried to go to a couple places, talk to people, and I went to talk, I'll never forget, I went to talk to this one woman once, right? Someone recommended her, so I go to talk to her. And I don't think she really knew how to deal with first responders, maybe. That's common, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I thought I was going to have to get her a psychologist <laughs> by the time I left the room. Yeah. Because she was probably like, what the heck? Yeah, what the heck is wrong with this I've kid? I've heard so many stories like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Where it's at the end, the first responder's consoling the therapist. Like, it was, it's going to be all right. I, it <laughs> you was know. absolutely like. The woman's just looking at me, and it wasn't her fault. She was recommended to me by somebody. I went in. I went to, like, three sessions with the woman, and finally after the third session, I'm like, I you don't think can. this is going to work for her. Well, yeah. it's like, it's an intimate relationship <laughs> yeah. when, when you're selecting a, a counselor in, in so many ways, somebody that you're going to share things with that, that you likely don't share with anybody else. And, and that you have to have, um, you know, there's an expectation that they're going to be culturally competent, and if they're not, then it's probably um, not going to not going to go well. And I think it's okay, right? Like it makes sense that there will be a selection process to finding the right therapist. And I keep so if you're somebody out there and, and you're listening now and you've tried one or two, um, that's 
I think that's normal, and I think that's okay. Keep trying, and when you find the right one, you will know it. Yeah, um, you'll know it. And one of the most important things I think a first responder can do uh, in their career is leave the job better than they found it. And I think that you do that. I know you do as somebody that's been, been your coworker, and we keep coming back. Um, you know, I hear a lot of things that you're saying about you know, the the way that, that some of these larger incidents, more impactful incidents happened earlier on in your career. Uh, and I'm wondering if anybody came up to you back then and said, how are you feeling? No, not really. I think a lot of guys were, um, you know, I think a lot of guys were just like, you know, just going to do their own thing, you know. They didn't know. They didn't know. A lot of right. them didn't. And, and uh I'm sure I could have asked somebody, yeah. but then I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. You know, and I, and like I said, I mean, I had a lot of instances in my career where I'm like, shit, do I really want to freaking do this anymore? Mm-hmm. Like. And I think that you've learned from those experiences, not just from working with you, but from listening to you speak here today and listening to you talk through the, through the career. And there's, there's, a general sense of awareness. And yes. I, I really applaud what you're doing because yes. that's what it's all about. None of us are handling it perfect. So if anybody's out there listening now and you can relate to some of what Walt is saying about, you know, hey, I'm a first responder and, oh, my God, this call shook me up. Um, like, that's the awareness right there. Somebody was 28 years, you know, a, a, a senior member of, the, of, of a busy fire department saying, hey, me too. Like, there's a lot of good being done just in, in that statement. None of us are doing it perfectly. But what didn't occur back then, I'm sure, I wasn't on that long ago, right, but even just when I came on, um, is that senior man coming over and saying, hey, did that bother you? So now my next question is, if you were on a call with a young firefighter that had a young child and you were on a call where a kid was hurt, do you think that you might pull that firefighter aside afterwards and say, hey, uh, how you doing? Just checking on you. You doing okay? Yeah, I think now I would. I think you would, Definitely too. Definitely now. Yeah. Back in the day, probably not because, you know, I had uh, another run a long time ago with a couple guys. We had an infant that had passed on. And, you know, it was a tough call. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, we went back to the station. We... You know, um, you know. I don't think I said anything to anybody. I don't. You know. I yeah. I think that's the way the whole culture was for a long but, time. You know, nobody a lot knew of better. us. You know, like the guys who were with me on that call were. You know, everybody did a great job. It just you know, mm. uh, the outcome was not good. And, yeah. um, you know, but you notice too, there are a lot of guys who are battling their own demons too. Right. You know? And then, you know, I've always been of, well, I don't really want to, you know, I know I can text Jeff at night or Jimmy Young or, you know, just just to talk or just to, you know, throw something out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I said, I think the big thing for me is just how to say it. Yeah. You know, like you're asking me questions tonight about, well, what about the calls? And I'm going to sit here and be honest with you. Mm. It's been a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it has been a lot. Okay. Yeah. So, 28 years of them. Yeah, and you just sit there and you think, well, geez, 
it's funny. I, I deliver oil for a local company, right? Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of work in Weymouth. And sometimes it's the worst when I'm doing my route. I'll drive around like, oh, shit, I remember yeah. what happened at this house. Yep. <laughs> I remember this house. Yep. I remember, you know, and you're like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, you, Walter. So, um, yes. Yeah. So you're remembering different streets, right? Yeah. Um, I think Jay shared it before. Yep. Um, like there's first responders that might avoid going down specific streets oh, yeah, because yeah. It re- it's a reminder, right, of a bad call that they were on, um, that they went to. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's like, you know, I mean, we do a lot of work. I do a, a lot of route in Weymouth, and you're sometimes like, oh, shit, I remember that, I remember that, I remember that, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it's, I think now, like I said, as I get older in my career, I'm definitely a lot crankier sometimes at the firehouse and and it just you know uh the guys on group four call me ray ray of sunshine (laughs) 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 yeah (laughs) because you do you get uh, i'm at the point now like i said and and i love the job don't get me wrong yeah but sometimes you look at the job and you're like well look what this freaking place did to me yeah you know and and, then takes its toll yeah. No, it does, but then you look at it and say, well, you know, maybe I could have dealt with it differently. And you're teaching the next generation that just by being open and honest about the things the way that you are right now, <laughs> this is, is leaving the job um, better better than you found it because because people didn't used to do that, and it wasn't it wasn't all that long ago either. Um, I think, you know, if, if, we, um, if we lost a member of the department, how do you do you think that you'd be there for for that family's kids oh definitely we, I you, would, yeah. yeah right so I, that's what i'm saying i think that all of these things that you're talking about is someone that's worked next to you i think you've learned and bettered the culture as a as a in response to that um i know you have man and i and i know i know that that you're there for people when they're struggling too because i've seen it no um, and I, I do and i i believe me I've argued with probably every guy on that job, and that's just me. I argue with everybody. But, yeah. you know, if any of them called me, I'd be right there. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then, you know, we're not all going to get along as, you know, sunshine and rainbows, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah. And and, um, and I know I could call any of them, and I'm sure they'd be there for me. Yeah. And then um, I, I just think now – it's a whole different culture for the fire department now. It's a younger generation coming in. And me, I'm just so stuck in my ways. So sometimes, you know how it is. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> effing new guys or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all good kids. They are. Yeah. You know, so. But you're right. You want to leave it better and you want to. And, and my thing now is these kids coming in, like, I don't want them to be like me after five years, like a miserable bastard, you know. So what do you do? Huh? What do you do to change that? Like to show show an example. Like what what would you do to change that if those new guys are all coming in and you said I don't want them to be like me after five years? Um, what would you do to be able to help that to change? I don't. I honestly can't answer that. Talk about it. Yeah, but you know, I don't think too. And then. <coughs> Sometimes I don't think they want to listen to me, like, just, just talk d- about my, you know, um, 
like my group, I got a I got a good group of guys in my group, and you know, I got one guy I terrorize all the time. He's a wicked nice guy, but um, you know, I get along with those guys. I they're a good group. Um, you know, we've had some. I think it was the month of April. I think they were they were glad when I started taking vacation time. The like <laughs> whole month of April, we were like, bang, bang, like cardiac arrests. Yeah, yeah. It was just a, it was a just crazy. Yep, yep. And finally, I'm like, I gotta take a couple of days off, you know, and just, mm-hmm. um, and, and recharge. Good for recharge. you. Recharge, yeah. It's just like, yeah, you know, and and. and Now I see myself doing that more. Like, you know, they call me night shift sometimes because I'll take, you know, I get my vacation, I'll take a day shift off, you know, and just chill. So I have to ask it, yeah. unless Jay wants to jump in on something there. You go ahead. Um, I have to ask you if if you, in all a positive way, yeah. right, um, if you were in a position that you could influence some really nice change within the department that you, you would see would benefit that younger generation that you were talking about, right? And mm-hmm. even the men and women that are still there now, right? So you can retire healthy and live your life after serving that many years after uh, from on the fire department. Excuse me. What would you do? What would what would you do if you had if you had that opportunity to be able to implement some change that you think would make a difference going forward for this new generation when no budget just do what you feel is right for the minimum and what what would you think you, you would do as far as just making it a better workplace yeah about a work environment? Is there things that you would? I mean, there's a couple things you could do right now, especially to make it a about better work environment. But we're not going to get into that. Yeah. But, but even also to make it better so that it's easier for those men and women to be able to talk about what's going on um, in their lives, or from those calls that they see, and they're not talking you know about what it. I'd right. Like to see is if a guy is having a hard time. Yeah. Which we have had guys have hard times. And, you know, we all talk in the station. You know how it is, you know. Yep. Um, but that he gets support all the way up. Yeah. And that doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Support from the top down and the down and the bottom up. Mm-hmm. That doesn't cost anything. And that's what I'd like to see when I leave that job is... You that know, change. That change. Yeah. You did say that earlier on. I you think know. that would be a a big thing. That's all I want to see. Yeah. Everybody get a fair shot. Yeah. It sounds like uh, you said earlier on, you know, I'd like to see, you know, at times in, within departments that earlier on in the conversation you had said that sometimes you just feel that you're a number, right? You're just a you number. Do, yeah. And sort of that leads into the conversation that that's where that change is. Like, stop, stop. Don't don't be treating us like as if we're just a number, right? Treat us as a human being, right? A person, an individual. We're real people. Yeah, and and treat us the the way you would want to be treated, right? Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you want to be treated like that. You don't want to be treated like 
you know, there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, somebody who wants to talk down to you just because they feel they can. Yeah. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I myself am not putting up with it, and I don't think any of these guys should put up with it either. Mm-hmm. And on any department. Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And then and you are a person, and you should respect me. Yeah. And I... The thing with us at the fire service, Jay would tell you, you got a hundred different personalities at the Weymouth Fire Department. Yep. Okay? Guys are going to fight. Guys are going to argue. Guys are going to whatever. But for the most part, if something happens, the guys are there. Okay? Mm-hmm. I've had people call, like when I got hurt, I had people calling me who, you know, they thought it was nice. I'm like, oh, thank you, you know, whatever. Um, so... I just want I want everything to be fair and equal. Yeah. Okay. And I think I think we've lacked that. Yeah. So that would be the change. What we do for our members is right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we should have their backs and we should and that's why our union, you know, like I said, I you know, Jeff Wall's great. Yeah. Absolutely, we had Jeff in. I think Jeff does a, a while good ago. job. He's, yep. you know, Jimmy Young, the whole, you know, our whole e board, mm-hmm. and our guys, they're good. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just don't want guys to be nervous anymore. I mm-hmm. want them to say what they want to say, and to take care of themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm sure there are guys who aren't, and they're just not saying anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, me being one of them. Yeah. But I'm at a point right now, I just, I think I'm just going to speak, and hey, whatever, wherever it goes. Yeah. You know, so. Yep. so I think that, um, Walter, um, you know, as you said, people to be treated fairly. Yes, um, definitely. Supported by your department, um, you know, your administration. Changing that sort of stuff, making men and women. I think that if, if the men and women were going to work every day and they were feeling supported, they'd actually be happy going to work every day. Oh, yeah. And and um, I'm sure, as you said, I don't want people to be nervous. So if you're nervous going to work, you have a bad feeling, right? And then you, how can you enjoy going to work, right? And then that can affect then you out serving your community. If you, if totally anything. does. Oh, it definitely Do you want to chime in on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I just, I think that any type of emergency response, uh, it's, you know, when, when let's say you're, you're a senior person on a group or you're running a group and you understand uh, how the group functions, you want to keep them loose, loose but ready, right? So um, you're going over the equipment, you're preparing, uh, the, the level of preparedness that goes in, um, you know, to being able to re- respond to a spectrum of, of different types of, of, uh, of, emergencies within the community is probably beyond what most people understand that, that don't do the job. Um, and when you go to do that, you can, well, you can, but um, it, it, it for sure impacts duty performance when someone is concerned uh, about, uh, about how they're going to be treated if they make a mistake. Um, and uh, when you have someone that understands that, that, they're supported and they're well intended and they're well trained and everybody's in it together they're going to perform at a higher level they're going to you're going to get a better 
um, a better response out of out of that man or woman. Yeah. Uh, and then as that same thing applies to mental health, I don't think I can say it better than Linda's said it many times. When someone does finally reach a point where they say, hey, I'm hurting, and they're lucky enough to have someone like Walter around to say, hey, you know what? I've been there too, and uh, I'm on the e-board now, and we support you. And then if you have the narration that takes place in, in the fire department is, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? We had you know, this call, that call, or the other call, and he wasn't doing so good because those things too get said. And, uh, you know, the, the communal chatter becomes, I hope he's all right. Yeah. I, I hope she's getting what she needs. When, when that takes place, all of these things uh, matter to what the eventual outcome will be. And, you know, obviously uh, administrative support is, is part, of, part of that whole, that whole network. Um, so when you don't yeah. have that, uh, or if you don't, that's going to be a factor in whether you're able to get help. Yeah. Right? And then that plays out on scene. So it is complicated, you know. It's not like oh, this should just be done right. Like, it's complicated, um, but things are, are moving. I believe in in yeah. the right direction. Yeah, and I think what Jay is after referring to, as I've said it before, if if you are a first responder or anyone in your department or in any department um, saw looked on and saw another fellow um, member going and getting help and getting well right and um and they were supported by the department if they then wanted needed some help and support they would believe that they'd also receive it because they're after witnessing it right um from a, a, another member but on the flip side of that if uh, a first responder goes to seek help and he is not supported by the administration or the department and penalized probably for it um, well, then another guy looking on is never going to go and seek help or talk about what's going on with him because he's also going to believe that he's going to receive the same. So I think that's what you're referring to. I told you I couldn't yeah. say it better than her. Yeah, no, and, 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 and you're right because yeah, there is... Um, <coughs> I've heard in departments, you know, administrative betrayal. Yeah. And that's huge. Mm. Yeah, it is. Um, so, if guys see that, they're not going to say a word. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And and how can that be? Can I just have to elaborate on that a little bit? If a guy sees that, they're not going to say a word. That's what Walter just said. But how can that guy, that person who's not going to say a word, how is he feeling inside? Trapped? S- alone? Mm. Scared? Um... Nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. Well, I'm sure, you know, just judging from myself, mm-hmm. okay? And like I said, I've I've done it, seen it, and whatever, as far as yeah. being, you know, self-destructive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know how to do it, okay? Yeah. And then, you know, somehow, you know, you bounce back and you're like, all right, I got to get my shit together here. But some people... And I'm glad that you were able to say that. Hey, I got to get my shit together here, right? And one other guy did, and I described it as the devil on the shoulder and the angel on yeah. the shoulder. Devil is saying, "I don't give a shit anymore." And another guy is saying here on this shoulder, 
get your shit together. Mm. Excuse, I'm, I don't like using, but that's that's out of what they're the words he used, right? So, but the thing is, is that there's some people that that can be over so overwhelming mm-hmm. that they can't pull themselves out of that. And I'm gonna tell you this, okay? That guy sat my shoulder many a times, okay? yeah. Mm. and yeah, you know, I've had some points in my career where I wasn't. You know, perfect or whatever, and I'm not saying anybody is because if we were, we wouldn't be there. Yeah. I'll tell you that. But yeah. I. I think guys now. You know, guys will go to the union now. There have been guys, you know, that I've heard of, whatever, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Yeah. It's the climate, though. Mm. I've always felt that, like. You know, do you want to get? Maybe guys are afraid of being, you know, chastised. I don't know. I just want guys in the future to have. I want them to have it from, like I said, top down, top down, down mm-hmm. up, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and then. I don't want guys to feel like they'll be penalized or, you know, in any department. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Any and, department. And you, you, you know, I read the cases or, you know, you hear different things in different departments and yeah. how guys are treated. Yeah. And, and that's just absolute bullshit. Yeah. Right. And I, and, and take, I, take care I, of your own. Yes. And Walter is talking about in general, in all departments, in different agencies. He's talking about different departments, all different departments in general. So um, when uh, I I just thought I want to elaborate on a, on a, a chief um, in Abington, mm-hmm. um, Chief Glenn, he was in here a couple of weeks ago. Chief yes, he's Jacqueline. a new fire chief, right? He's yes. a new fire chief. Yeah, I heard he was and a uh, pretty good guy over there. Absolutely a great guy. And um, I sort of, you know, think of him when you're talking like that um, to say there are agencies and departments that are doing so everything right mm-hmm. by their men and women. Mm-hmm. And then there's other departments that don't think there's anything wrong. Within a department, but there is major stuff going on. And um, I would just love for, you know, different departments to realize, you know, if there's if there's people walking around here and they're not happy, you know, don't you want your your people to be coming into work happy for better, better for everybody, saving the community, saving the department, making sure everything is is all good and it's, it's better for everybody. But I just. Think about when you're when you're talking about that. I sort of instantly go to our interview with Chief Glenn just a couple of weeks ago, and um, you know he said my door is open, and they and I I asked him directly, would you think your men and women would be comfortable knocking on your door um, to say I'm 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 not doing too good, um, I need some support and some help. He said absolutely, mm. and um, and he said Linda. I see a therapist every week. I go to a therapist. I see a therapist. I carry that backpack. That boulders, though my backpack has been full and it and it overflowed. I get it. And I want my men and women to be healthy. And um, that was, I just wanted to get up and hug that guy. Yeah, um, me, me that too. Um, and that's, I think that's what you're talking about, right? Um, is, you know, wanting to, you know, for departments to, to say, we're all in this together. You know what I mean? I think you want someone who understands too, you know. Yes. Or, mm-hmm. you know, who's not gonna—I don't know—treat you like crap, or mm. just like you know, 
I mean, I myself, you know, like I said, I've been down that road a couple times. I try and, you know, mm-hmm. I deal with it a lot better now. Yeah. Um, again, I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. You know, like I said, I've gone to a it's couple awareness. of... Yeah, I've gone to awareness. A, I, yeah. I like that. Well, it, it is right yeah. because we're talking about um, we're talking about members being happy and things like that. But I think what what we can sense um, anybody close to the culture is that there's a responsibility there, right? These are these are real injuries, and you know the devil and the angel and all of that stuff. That's a human response. It's a normal reaction to to the circumstances that first responders locally and all over the country find themselves in. And there will be uh, emotional and behavioral outcomes to that. Whether they ever rise to the level of impact in somebody's career, that's another conversation. But it will impact their life, whether it's you know, going home and, and being explosive with family, whether it doesn't bother anybody else and they're just living in a state of suffering. There will be a response to this, and, and uh, we're beginning beginning to become aware as a culture that there's a responsibility to take care of of people that are going through that and and it's it's to everybody's benefit. Yeah. If someone was injured physically, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. And and I think the more aware we are um you know of what the actual consequences are that they're not as easy to see at times. Oh, so and so got in trouble. This happened, that happened. Did you hear about, you know, did you read about this person in the paper? Well, yeah, but what you might not have read is is what that person who dedicated their life to serving their community had been going through and what caused them to go through it and how simple of an intervention it could have been had it been approached in a responsible manner at an appropriate time. Yeah, in an appropriate time, responsible manner, I believe. Oh, definitely. And... and I think, too, that's why a lot of guys in any department won't speak because sometimes they don't have a trust. Ugh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to have trust. Yes, ma'am. Like sometimes, you know, i got friends on departments all over the place. Some of them have trust. Some of them don't. That's right, and you can see the difference, too, you right? Can, yeah, yeah, you really you can. You can see the difference, and you can see. <coughs> so, you know, with the mental health part, I, I think that's a huge issue is mm-hmm. – some people trust, some people don't. Like me, you know, I've gone to see a couple of, did I trust them? No. Because, mm-hmm. and I don't care what department you work for, the first thing someone's thinking of, at least I was, is this going to get back to my boss, mm-hmm. right? And I'm sure a lot of guys who have gone in those rooms, it doesn't matter where you are or where you work, you know, they want to keep it private, right? Yeah, Yeah, you don't want people knowing your business. Exactly. Can I just start to say something there? Oh, my God. All all different interviews are just coming back into my head, like, yeah. as he's talking, right? And uh, Raul uh, Rivas, SWAT guy, big, you know, and, and he, he was struggling. And he was like, Linda, we didn't talk about this stuff, what we saw and what we, we did. We just didn't talk about it. And this big, burly guy, you know, big military guy, and he said, you know, it gets to the stage where you just have to stop giving an F yeah. about what people think. And um, and and he's absolutely right. Um, you, you have to stop giving an F about what people 
think um, or who's or whatever. Because guess what? When you talk about or say, I- I'm going to get help. Um, this is not right. It's okay for me to have this feeling from what I've been dealing with and seeing every day. And this one just hit me. And you know what? I need to, I need to, to see someone. And to feel, uh, it, has, it has to feel, um, as Jay had sort of mentioned, he, you know, when he went and got help and, and saw help, he was sort of surprised at how strong he felt. He, he had felt some strength mm. in there, right? And yeah, you should do. Because you're a leader when you do that. And stop and stop caring what other people think. Because you are a leader. You're not weak. You are a leader. You are strong. You're doing this for better for you, for your family, <coughs> for your kids, or anybody who loves you. Right? And um yeah. And I think that's where where change is really gonna happen is that when people stop saying, No, this is not right. I I'm not okay. And I wanna get I wanna get well. Mm. I think a lot more people now do get help, though, like behind the scenes. Yeah, it's going that way. Yeah, I see a lot more guys like, you know, and and I think that's great for them. You know, that works for them. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, For me to, you don't even know what this took for me to come and do this. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to do it. Fuck it. I'm coming. (laughs) Glad you did. The funny thing was, like, I was listening to... um, the Freddie Viola and um, Billy Cushing. Billy Cushing, and that was just like wow. Mm. Yeah, you know what made you say wow? Just listening to them just talk about everything, like his yeah. whole progression, like the incidents he'd been involved in, and mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this guy's got shit luck, and, and but you know he's able to talk about it. He's able to talk about it, yeah. right? And he. You know, just you know about his father, everything. I'm yeah. Like, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's strength. Yeah, that is like. That he stopped giving enough about what people talk. Yeah. No, I. You know I, what I mean? I listened to it. I. I was like, wow, that is, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, kind of like. Well, we're very, very happy that you came in tonight, Walter. Um, you know, I think that. Um, as you said, uh, you don't know what it took for me to come in here. What did it take? Well, I told you I was going to do it, so I had to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, I was just more like, like this morning. Were you nervous? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think a lot of people are nervous in because they think that we're maybe going to be like throwing out questions. We just like no, to have a conversation. No, it's a conversation. It right? was great. I loved it. It's just general conversation. I love what you guys do, you know? Thank you. And, um, I think it's good. I, I mean, I remember a while back you would ask me, this was, you probably don't even remember this, you were saying, you know, I'd always put something in the first responder card. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I just, you know, and she says, why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep doing that? Mm. I said, it's my way of trying to take care of um, our men and women, our people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just, you know, like the cops. You know the police officers; they, you know, they see stuff every day. They're, yeah, you know, EMS, same thing. Mm-hmm. So and you, as a firefighter, yeah, but there's so many parts to it, and you just, you know, 
just want to explain to the listeners what Walter is talking about because they won't understand. It'd be like, what's he talking about? Um, uh, we're fortunate enough to, to have a, a cafe here and um, we're very supportive in our first responders here at the cafe. And uh, we started to have a sort of running gift card. It was like police week or whatever it might be. And we'll we'll put, my rallies will put like $100 or whatever on the card. And um, they get free coffee here every day. So it's if they come up for a sandwich or whatever, it pays for their food. And customers are very aware of that also. And they'll come in um, at different times and they'll say, can I put $20 on the card? And we'll always honour it, always. And it'll go right on the card. And Walter, but he would come in. And he would constantly, I mean, sometimes twice a week, three times a week, once a week, whatever it might be, but he would be constantly putting money on the card um, for other first responders so they can pay for their food. And uh, we would always let them know, like they would think it would be coming from me and I would say, no, another <laughs> Walter Langley um, from from the Weymouth Fire um, paid for your, your sandwich this morning. So I would always make them know that it, it came from you. And um, but that's what it's all about. Some so. of them would be like, "That guy's an asshole," <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but he paid for my food today. <laughs> Maybe you were doing that as apologizing to them yeah, or yeah, something yeah. for something you did. Yeah. <laughs> but um, very generous man and uh, takes care of his own. And um, we are so happy to have you in here tonight. And I'm glad that you got over the jitters and actually walked in the door in the door um, to come <laughs> join us. And um, now that you're after sharing that you don't know what it took to to get me in the door. But Walter, um for me, um hearing about your dad, um, you know, being a, a police officer, um, killed in the line of duty. Um I also heard like the, you know, as a kid having to go through that without the father figure um in your life. That must have been hard for you. Also what you're doing here tonight um i know it took a, a lot for you to come in here um but i really appreciate you and i mean that from my heart um coming in and, and speaking openly about you know your own struggles and how you've dealt with them um you know through the years as a firefighter what you what you've experienced some injury also and how you've dealt with that and then you're still back on the job um and still as you said i love the job i love I love being a firefighter, right? And I love that experience. Um, by you sharing, um, there's just someone might be going to listen to this and say, you know what? I'm going to start looking after myself and getting help um, and doing what I need to do um, to figure it out. Because suicide, um, I know you've seen, experienced a lot of suicide in, in families and going to calls, right? But suicide is the number one um, killer um, in first response. Police, fire, EMS, dispatch, corrections, and military. Um, is, but it's the number one in first response still, even even more than the line of duty. So um, that sort of keeps me um, motivated to keep talking about it because there is still a stigma within departments, um, and we want to lessen that. And you, by sharing your story tonight, sir, is also going to help with that. So we want to thank and you. I hope it does because yeah. you, know, you don't want to see. And, and that's the one thing that always bothered me about going to a suicide. It's like, what drove that person? Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen a couple of violent ones, too, and you're like, wow. Yeah. Like, what, what drove them to do that? Pain. Yeah, mm. no, I know, but 
you're always kind of left wondering, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's. Yeah. Definitely, you know, I've thought about that in the past. It's like, why well, the frig would? Yeah. You're left wondering because you care, because your heart's generally in the right place. Just yeah. like you, you know, we talk about you, you're sitting here joking about how grumpy you are at the job, but, but you know, what what lies right beside that is you're coming in putting money on the cards for first responders. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know, I, I know from working with you that you're someone that is trustworthy and reliable who sets a good example Um you know, I look at the relationship that you have with your daughter. You're like, I come in here this morning, my, or your daughter's, but, you know, she's going, oh, you're going to be on Linda's thing tonight. Uh, you put a lot of good out in the world, Mr. Yes. Walter Langley, and you matter, man. <laughs> yes, you. you matter. Walter, we want to thank you tonight. We're going to end um, yeah. up this evening, but we really want to thank you for coming in, sharing your journey um, as a firefighter. And, and I know that we're, we're still going to be, um, you know, you have... Um, a few more years to finish off before you retire. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's a it's an opportunity for you to say, hey, I'm going to finish out well here, right? No, I want to, and that's my thing is, yeah. you know, as soon as I get that, once I hit that 55, I'm not staying, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to work on me. How's that sound? Work on yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what's you, up. You don't have to wait until <laughs> that, that time, though, to start working that's on right. you, sir. You can, do, you can do that now, little by little. Walter shared with us his long career as a firefighter. He took us back to his childhood and spoke about losing his dad, a police officer who was killed in the line of duty by a drunk driver. Walter talked about how that childhood trauma had an effect on his life growing up, and how as a tribute to his dad, he also wanted to be of service, which led him to the Weymouth Fire Department. Walter shared with Linda and I how the weight of the job can take a toll on the men and women in first response and what he hopes for, to help the members of his own department get support from the top down. He's hopeful for change, change that will have a positive impact on a new generation answering a call to service in first response. Walt is one of the most kind-hearted people you could meet. He's constantly helping other first responders. This is a man with heart. We want to thank Walter for allowing himself to be vulnerable. There just might be some growth and healing in that for him and for many others who listen to this interview. If you are a first responder who's struggling now and you'd like help but you're not sure where to turn, please consider reaching out to us. We'll try to guide you to some appropriate resources. Call one of the Hope Lines at 781-817-3357 or 617-657-9108. Till next time. Till next time.